0: You put up with so much, Amy.
1: It's true, I really do.
0: All right, and welcome to Critique and the Creeps. I'm your host, Danielle. And this is a podcast where I bully my friends, mostly Amy Quinn, into watching horror movies with me so we can discuss them. How are we doing, Amy Quinn? Oh,
1: we're doing fine today.
0: And what movie are we watching today?
1: Today, we are watching the 1980 haunted house movie, The Changeling.
0: Ooh, The Changeling. Do we know what country of origin The Changeling is?
1: Well, I know it was definitely filmed in Vancouver.
0: Oh, it's completely Canadian. In fact, when I was looking at the box office, it would only give you the Canadian amount. So I have no idea because I don't know how to math.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's just all fake Monopoly money, also known as money. But
0: Yeah, and I feel like actually like quantifying how much like something small and independent made it's it, it just it's meaningless
1: words it's true
0: we, we put value to capitalism and let's not art is art
1: yeah no like i do think definitely people put too much stock in something doing good at the box office equaling quality
0: mm-hmm Sorry, um, I feel like I am at beck and call of the pets. Yeah, and John just made me open the door for him because he's a little bitch of a cat.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I, I was editing the brood, which I keep on getting interrupted by pets and everything. Effed <laughs> up. Anyway, so many. I know this was made in the '80s, but it really doesn't feel like the
1: '80s. You know, it came out in 1980, but it still definitely has a lot of that '70s feel to it.
0: Yeah, and. The Canadian thing makes sense to me because, to me, it had a weird air of the aristocracy that you would not see in America, period.
1: It's true. This is very much about the rich and, like, the secrets that they hide and the fucked up lives they get to.
0: It's in a way where I kind of find it endearing. Yeah. It's uh, It's got some heart to it.
1: You know, it's 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 definitely a very interesting, like, it's a very atmospheric ride.
0: I'm going to be real honest. I don't know any of the characters' names. I've been calling them in my head composer guy, rich yes. lady, the senator, and angry old lady.
1: The main character, uh, George C. Scott, the composer, is named John Russell, which is just very much a name.
0: Oh, I do know Senator Carmichael. Yes. I think it's a fun one to say.
1: Yes, Senator Carmichael. <laughs>
0: and uh what was the other ones
1: but yeah, uh Trish Vandeveer plays Claire Norman of the Seattle Historical Society,
0: <laughs> and those are like the three mains, yeah, got- yeah,
1: those are those there're like a bunch of other characters in it, but these are the ones that this revolves around the most,
0: mm-hmm. And then I think you also have like the old lady that's in the also the um, historic society.
1: Oh yes, no, it just who was like, you should not have been allowed to rent that house. Do 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 do
0: I'm just going to go do a quick plot overview because, again, yeah, of course. I'm lazy well, and I'm just going to use IMDb because that is who I am. I work cool all right. time and I am tired.
1: <laughs> all right. Let's break it down. All
0: right. Um, so after the death of his wife and daughter in a car crash, a music comp- uh, uh, composer uh, who is uh, John Russell, played by George T. E. Scott, kind of moves across the country and is staying at a mansion and is dragged into a decades-old mystery by, inex- by an inexplicable presence in the mansion's attic. I added a little flair of my own in there.
1: Of course. Put some English on that, ball.
0: Yeah, you know, just a little bit. And yeah. give me another second, because I have a cat screaming at me to get out again after I let him <laughs> in. Let me in, let me in, let me out, let me out. Oh, and hello, there's a dog. And... John, you yelled at me to get out. And then he saw the dog and was like, I'm not leaving. I, I I, like I said, my life is run by the pets. But yeah.
1: Who adopted who? Am I right?
0: Oh, I I feel like I didn't have a choice in either one of these ones. They just kind of wandered nope. into my life and I'm like, chill, I'm your dad now.
1: <laughs> it do be like that. <laughs> All right. So do, do we want to get down into it?
0: Yeah, let's get into it. Oh, yeah. Um, where do you want to kind of start? Because it's kind of like a nice slow kind of mood piece.
1: It's true. Like I do really like the first act of this movie because it is just a very slow, moody build-up. Mm-hmm. Like in particular, I think that like the soundscape of this movie is very notable it's very important that like the main character in this movie is a composer because the way that this like the first act of this treats sound and music is very good at building atmosphere
0: and i like that they actually use symphony pieces
1: oh yeah oh by the way uh, did you see who composed the music box theme for this movie
0: howard blake
1: oh not howard shore
0: no wrong howard
1: Gosh damn, I'm getting my Howards mixed up.
0: (laughs) I just think it's funny you said it while I was looking at my notes. Because I feel like I've really gotten into looking into the soundtrack of who makes movies, because it's kind of fun. Yeah. And this guy, actually, I'm looking at him, and he's like, I think the biggest thing of note I can see that he's composed for was Amityville 3D.
1: Amazing.
0: And I just think it's cool. You have a lot of... um, Kind of classical music going on a lot of people. Yeah, no, music.
1: it's like, it's... The way time progresses in this, you go from like mid conversation. He's talking with the lady about like the house he's going to be renting. And he's like, what are the terms of the lease? And then just immediately cut. It's like several months later and like people are putting stuff in the thing and like it, things just move at a very good pace. There's a shot I really like. He's teaching a class. He starts to play the piano and it immediately cuts to like a symphony playing like a, playing like the piece.
0: Oh, I actually really like that aspect. I think um, I think the best way to kind of start, like, kind of put our feet in to this is at the beginning because I think that opening scene really sets the tone. Oh of the yeah, for the movie, even though it's completely different from the rest of the yeah, movie. Yeah,
1: it is like its own little vignette. It's honestly kind of similar to the opening of Midsummer, if a lot quicker.
0: Actually, that's a really good comparison. I think it's funny that we're doing them one after the other. Yeah. Because if we didn't, I would not have made that comparison. But yeah, you have his entire family dies.
1: Killed in a tragic, horrific comedy of errors.
0: It kind of feels like it was shot a little bit like a giallo, if that makes sense. It has that weird Italian sensibility and pacing.
1: It's extremely broad. We get just like a, Like just enough dialogue to establish like, oh, this is such a happy, wonderful family. My favorite part is like the wife is just like sarcastically like, oh, this is the last holiday I'm ever going on with you.
0: Oh, I also love the fact that like they are stuck with like a car that can't. they're just pushing the car down the road till they find a telephone, like a payphone. Yeah. And I like that it's in a glass box in the middle of, like, a snowy mountain.
1: Like a classic Superman phone booth mm-hmm. just out in the middle of nowhere.
0: They are so happy and carefree that they just start having a snowball fight.
1: It's all just very broad strokes. Just this way you'd know what, what is going to happen. It's just like, oh, they were a happy family. I sure hope nothing bad is going to happen in this movie about a man who tragically loses his family.
0: The car accident is super dramatic because they're like stuck on the, yeah. of the road. And there's that truck and the person that like just bangs a hard right in the middle of a snowstorm.
1: Like just this massive truck comes barreling down and it just hits their entire car and just runs them over. The wife just grabs the child and just stands there screaming like. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no, it's extreme. It's extremely over the top in a good way.
0: And I like the cut, we, just, we we cut to, like, quiet as he's moving out of his apartment and he gets really, he, like, is, like, doing normal things but gets sad when he sees her
1: ball. Yes. The the child's ball of tragedy.
0: And it's a, it, it comes back later. Like, look yes. at that. Again, I feel like that gives good context to, like, his, his internal thoughts because most of it we're just kind of seeing, like, how the world perceives him, and I kind of like how professional it is. It's in a way where it's impersonal, but he gets away with a lot of stuff because he's an old white guy, and I kind of envy him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah.
0: Like, if I was going around saying, hmm, is my house haunted? Is there a history of that? And, like, just questioning people, I'd be called
1: Crazy. <laughs> It's, it, it's true. Like, they would put us away for that.
0: But an old composer where people are sneaking into his class because he's, like, that talented at a Seattle equivalent of, like, it's like Berkeley, right? Or yeah, City something Art. like
1: that. This this is like Indiana Jones where, like, all of the girls are making love eyes at this fucking archaeology professor. He is this level of superstar academia.
0: I actually kind of enjoy how unsexual he is as a character, though. Like, there's no this turnaround. is true.
1: He and Claire, the historical society lady, have good casual chemistry together, and that is because they were in fact married at the time of filming.
0: Which I had no clue until you just told me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, no. Uh, according to the publicity for this movie, it mentioned that they had made seven films together in their eight years of marriage, with this movie being their eighth.
0: Oh, did this end their marriage?
1: I don't know if it did. Hold on.
0: Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, they seem like really good, like, friends. And I kind of really liked it because I don't really see platonic friendships where, like, the girl would just come over and be like, oh, you just won't know what I had to deal with today. I also feel like you got to see their slow building a friendship where they didn't really kind of, like, know each other and, or trust each other because they're just strangers. And all of a sudden she's like... You go horseback riding. Let's go horseback riding. Sorry. <laughs> You're still looking it up.
1: Yeah, no, they they did not divorce. Uh, they stayed together until George Scott's death in 1999.
0: Good, I like them.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, like
0: I'm saying that. I I ship these old people.
1: Yes, no, genuinely <laughs> good for them. Like I do really love that this movie is just kind of like this old couple like solving a mur- like an old murder mystery together. It's very cozy, like in the same way people watch like. Murder, She Wrote, or Columbo. O- old folks solve mystery is a very good genre.
0: I agree. I wish it was a thing. Like, I know Columbo is getting like a resurgence on the internet right now. Yes. And I'm here for it. Don't get me wrong, because... Exactly. Everybody... Gets her start on two places as a director. And like old style ones is either Columbo or Homicide.
1: Homicide Life on the Street. Yes. Like,
0: I believe our director got his start on Homicide Life on the Street of this movie.
1: Oh, did he? I want
0: to double check it, but I'm pretty sure that was one of the things that he.
1: uh... Uh, Yeah, he did six episodes of Homicide Life on the Street, seven of the Twilight Zone.
0: Uh, Yeah, he definitely has a strong TV background and it shows. Magnum
1: P.I., Remington Steel. Space 1999. (laughs) Magnum P.I. Zorro the Gay Blade. (laughs)
0: Species (laughs) 2.
1: Oh, God. Amazing.
0: Oh, he did an episode of Tales from the Crypt. He directed
1: two episodes of Hannibal, apparently.
0: Wait, what? Where?
1: Yes. Yeah, he directed.
0: Oh, my God. Oof. He directed the egg one that I like.
1: The one where he slices the egg?
0: Yeah, that was him.
1: Amazing.
0: Oh, my God. Okay, this is great. This is all coming back. i feel like this is a movie that not a lot of people know about but like film people do a little bit and they're always like have you
1: seen the changeling it's oh yeah no absolutely like i know there's a lot you know like people in the biz who cite it as like one of their favorites Uh, martin scorsese (laughs) is one of his top 11 scariest horror films
0: oh my god yeah no i I was reading that too (laughs) (laughs) so like yeah you have that i think we've we've spent a a good portion talking about it and not mentioning oh yeah there's a ghost
1: it's very much just a good slow build up like oh like you know we've the historical society has had this house for 12 years nobody wants to stay in it
0: or oh yes this is the Republican senator. He's kind of talks, but he gives us a lot of money.
1: There's just this old guy living secluded alone in this mansion. And like, again, the soundscape of it is really good because it is like when you're alone in a big place like that, like especially an old place, Mm -hmm. you just hear weird noises all the time. Oh, yeah. I like that. the like one of the main recurring motifs of the ghost is running water. Is that is absolutely something you're going to hear somewhere in an old house and you're not going to know where it's coming from.
0: Yeah, I also kind of really like how like a lot of this is treated because it's kind of like, even though it's in the 80s and it takes place in the 80s, it really feels like almost that time when everyone was really, really into spiritualism.
1: I do want to bring up one of my favorite things about this movie is that the college he works at just has a department of psychic research.
0: Oh, I, I kind of think that's hilarious, but it also you know- kind of like a holdover i think from like the 70s
1: yeah no absolutely i just i just love that it it, like we have this whole first act of him being like oh i don't know what's going on i don't like am i going crazy and then he just goes to this like just weird little guy who's like oh yeah we see this all the time you definitely have a haunted house i'm gonna give you the number of a medium
0: (laughs) yeah like he just he's just really good at networking
1: that's academia for you baby
0: I also like the fact he's just really good at the
1: piano. A lot of moody playing on the piano shots while something spooky starts to happen.
0: So I don't know if you know this or not, but the inside, like the inside of the house actually wasn't filmed in a like, house because they couldn't find a house to fit that. So a lot of the internals were actually filmed on a soundstage.
1: Yes, like the interior was a soundstage and the exteriors were, I believe, like just a facade they built over another house. Yep. Which is good because it's it's a very spooky looking house.
0: I think the house has a lot of character and really exactly. sets the mood for the piece.
1: We do get, like, a very established sense of the space within the house. Like, we understand how, like, people go from point A to point B and that, like, definitely becomes very important in, like, the, like later acts where like all the spooky stuff starts happening.
0: And I kind of like how slowly the build the spooky stuff is. It really kicks off after like a long tracking shot of play- him playing the piano. And yes. then all of a sudden he's slowly lured into this attic space. Actually, yes. no, there's that one scene with the tub first. It's like a.
1: Yeah, he's finding like water sources all like turned on. And then he sees a body in the tub.
0: And can we just talk about that like the drowning of that kid and having to watch the entirety of it.
1: Yeah, that that was uncomfortable. Like, holy shit.
0: Yeah, I was at the point where I had to look him up and see what happened to him later in life. And it turns out he literally was like the son of like a hippie family and then just straight up went into software design and like makes video game software and some other (laughs) kinds of software. And He's actually fairly successful.
1: You know what? Good for him.
0: When he goes into the attic space later afterwards, and that's really when things kind of like get picked up. I When he walked in there, I'm like, there's a lot of spider webs there. I don't think I'd be doing that.
1: I love how just like, aged and decrepit that whole space is we see the mansion like with everything like packed away with like everything under sheets and all that and like it still doesn't it still looks fairly nice even if like everything's kind of in storage but then when he finds like oh there's a secret room in this house and it is just covered in dust and cobwebs and detritus and it just it looks like nothing has lived here in so many years The
0: the ghost is from like the what the nineteen tens?
1: Yeah, like the a uh, very early nineteen hundreds, I believe.
0: It's just very interesting. It's the eighties looking back on that to the to the, like the early nineteen hundred. Yeah, because um, the the kids return. Yes, takes place during World War One, but like they're just looking back at it in a way where for us that's a century further back because it's we're looking yeah. back at an eighties film which is. 50 years ago at this point.
1: Oh, I don't want to think about that.
0: Yeah. Right. 1980 to 1990. Sorry, 40
1: years. OK,
0: don't fight me on that. Don't yell that, at the Internet.
1: Now, see, that's normal, and acceptable. My brain can comprehend that number.
0: I was thinking 70s. because this is that this is still what this movie
1: feels like. No, this is again, this is very much a 70s movie that happened to come out in
0: 1980.
1: And I'm OK with that. Exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm here for spooky 70s horror.
0: They have the 80s technology, but they have the 70s pacing. Best of both worlds.
1: Yeah. Reagan hasn't come in and ruined everything forever.
0: Well, this is Canada. Oh, yes. And I honestly do not know Canadian prime ministers for
1: 1980. Yeah, no. My knowledge yes. goes
0: back to Trudeau and that's it.
1: Yes. I, I, I'm just going to say Thatcher hadn't come in and ruined everything and assume that's correct.
0: I am not going to fact check you and just trust you.
1: <laughs> you shouldn't, <laughs> but OK. I shouldn't.
0: I know. But also, like, apparently, like. If I remember correctly, this also came out around the same time as, like, Ghost Story came out. So this was, like, the year of the ghosts, right before, like, the year of the werewolf.
1: This was one of those times when, when Haunted House movies were making their come around again.
0: I feel like we're in a time where like, the 2010s were like, give me them ghosts in possession
1: movies. Yeah, like, ghosts were really big a couple years ago, and I feel like we're kind of starting to get out of that now.
0: And I think I just can't, it was really because the last Conjuring movie was terrible.
1: I I have not watched any of them so I wouldn't know.
0: They're kind of like a weird like conservative bend and like it, it it's one of those things like one of these days we'll talk about it cuz one of these days will end up on the list but like I have a, a lot of thoughts on the Conjuring series and not all of them are good not
1: all of them are bad but it's I mean they're ba- they're based off like that couple who like made their fortune just making up ghost shit, right? Like they pretended to be ghost hunters.
0: Kind of, but they got the Vatican's approval and shit.
1: Yeah, that that's definitely.
0: Oh yeah, no, it's a lot of like it's almost in the way where it's like fear mongery Christian in a way that as a gay person feels very like icky to me.
1: Yeah, there, yeah, there, there is, I think a assumption in a lot of ghost and possession movies that a Christian theology exists at like the frame for like that framework to exist in and it just kind of takes it as a given. Which it's
0: a weird thing in American culture that I'm kind of iffy on. And I, I'll i not I don't have words for it now. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that's a topic for another time yes. I think.
0: Which is also takes me back to this because I also like how there's no theology based on how this
1: ghost works. No, it's true. Like, we have the scene in every Haunted House movie where the weird little medium comes in to do their thing. And I love how fucking weird the, like, seance techniques in this are.
0: A lot of them actually do come from spiritualism. So that, they're actually a lot... They kind of remind me a little bit of, like, Shirley Jackson's... Um...
1: Oh, yeah, no, th- like, this This does definitely give me vibes the Haunting of Hill House. But at the same time, also, like, Knives Out and Rebecca... Just oh God, like I
0: love *Knives Out* and just, just, Rebecca. Just, oh, Rebecca's yes. on the list too.
1: Rebecca's a ghost story. I don't care what anyone says.
0: <laughs> the ghost of Rebecca.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: But yeah, Rebecca's no, uh, on the list. And just I,
1: like can... these these tales, just these like sprawling mansions that like attract like this like they collect the psychic trauma of the people who live in them.
0: Oh yeah, no, I I really hope you roll a Rebecca. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but no, I love the, the scene where she is scribbling on papers and like the guy is just pulling them off and like is she, she like she's just writing what the ghost is saying. I love that imagery. Good God, is that wasting a lot of paper though?
0: <laughs> oh, and I actually really like that weird thing in the center of the table—the cone.
1: Um. <laughs> I love the cone. I would die for the cone. I would kill for the cone.
0: <laughs> cone is new overlord. We are cone. <laughs>
1: Like, I'm not entirely clear on what the cone is supposed to be doing.
0: Doesn't matter, the cone is life.
1: It's just such a great visual. They just have this just big metal cone in the middle of the table wobbling around while she's asking the ghost questions.
0: I also like he records it and you can just hear what the ghost says the entire time afterwards.
1: I do like how well that's set up because he's like a musician and like he records his stuff to, like, play it back and listen to it. It sets up very. he's like, oh, yeah, he has recording and stuff he can just set up for his for his seance. And then he can play it back. And like the ghost gives him the whole scoop.
0: The ghost doesn't mince words. The ghost tells you shit.
1: It's true. Like the the, the 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 ghost is, you know, your average level of ghost ambiguous in what they can communicate. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, no, my father fucking murdered me.
0: It's just an angry little kid. This kid is fucking furious and gets angrier and angrier throughout the movie. And I'm like, I dig that, too.
1: You know, this is an angry child who lost, like, the future it thought it was entitled to, essentially.
0: He gets basically marked by his dad. Stepdad. Not his real dad. Yes. Stepdad, I think, right? No, real dad.
1: Yeah, no, it 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 was his biological dad of, like, he did it because he would lose access to, like, the fortune if the kid died before he turned 21.
0: Because it was his wife's fortune, because he married into the family.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. I do want to talk a little bit about the fact that this film is called The Changeling, because I do think that is very interesting. Like, the idea of a changeling was like a fairy creature from folklore. Like, they will come in the night, and they will, like, swap your child with a duplicate to take back to, like, their realms,
0: but instead, the dad just did that with his real son.
1: Yes. And what's interesting to me is, like, there is, in modern day, there is, like, a lot of speculation that, like, the myths about the changeling did develop as a way to explain, like, deformities and disabilities that, like, people didn't know how to diagnose back then.
0: Yeah, like I like the big thing where, like, a lot of people said it was a good descriptor of autism because of the... Yeah. Just because of the time period when the children all of a sudden weren't their children anymore was um, right around the time like you're you're kind of actually going to start showing symptoms if you are somewhere on the autism spectrum.
1: Yeah, like your child, your child starts acting strangely in ways you don't understand, starts like having a disability that like you didn't expect them to have. Like, yeah, they just come fair. like, oh, the fairies came in the night. Like they replaced it or they replaced our child with this weird one who like we don't necessarily know everything about, but we should still probably take care of them so the fairies don't get mad. Or sometimes in darker cases, it's a method of like emotionally distancing. Like it's like, oh, we can't take care of this. This child, but it's okay because it's not our child. The fairies took our real child.
0: Yeah, it's a way of passing off something.
1: And that's very relevant to the murder that takes place in this is just, it's not even that, like, the child was going to die. It's just the father didn't want to take the risk that the kid might not live to 21, so he just murdered him and replaced him with another child.
0: Like a six-year-old from an orphanage. The kid wasn't, like, mentally disabled. He was, what, just in a wheelchair, basically, right? Yeah,
1: he he, he just couldn't walk, and I think he had, like, some respiratory conditions, I think they mentioned. The, the kid himself is kind of a bait-and-switch. And I do like that because so what ha- like what happens early in the movie is that's like, oh, what happened? Do we know anything that happened? And like the old lady is like, oh, there was this there was this family and like their child, Cora, was killed by a coal cart out in front of it. And I like that because she gave this very obvious answer that she assumed Russell would be satisfied with. It's very conspicuously paralleled with how he lost his kid.
0: Oh, definitely. And it's not totally on purpose
1: she's just kind of hoping he'll be like oh this is the ghost of this like young child that was lost and like i i can make peace with that and move on and not look further because she is actively trying to cover this up for the senator
0: who by the way is that swapped child
1: yes
0: he's like 70s 80s like he's old enough to be like what you expect a senator to be especially a republican one Yes, but in the 80s. No,
1: he very much looks like a senator who would be the villain in an X Men movie, which is apropos because he lives in Charles Xavier's mansion.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's actually the man, the same mansion,
1: isn't it? Yeah, no, it's the mansion they filmed uh, the X Men movies in, and it's appropriate because, like Charles Xavier, he will never be free of the weight of all of his sins.
0: To be fair, I think this guy has a. I love how like unique his trauma is. He's definitely kind of the villain of the picture a little bit, but he's also really traumatized from
1: this. He's definitely like complicit to a degree. Like he is taking a lot of steps to make sure that like this stays hidden, like intimidating them like like, making them lose their jobs, sending, like, the cops to harass them. But at the same time, like, he didn't have a choice in being put into this situation, and I think he kind of finds the lie more comforting. Like, Yeah.
0: How much do you think he forgot the truth existed? Because the vibe I get is sometimes he was, like, questioning his reality because he was so much believing into the lie that he thought that that was his reality and people were just messing with him.
1: Yeah, it, it, it it's true. Like, he doesn't want to have the lie confronted because he wants to just treat it like it's reality.
0: Because He was adopted when he was six. That's pretty young. That's enough where you can totally have imposed memories put into your brain.
1: No, no sympathy for, you know, like. Rich bastards trying to like keep a stranglehold on their power, but at the same time, like, yeah, this is he didn't have a choice in being put into this lie. Some rich guy like plucked him out of an orphanage and spirited him off to Europe until he was 18.
0: Mm -hmm. There is, um, this thing where I remember there's one line he's like, My mom, my father didn't murder anyone, my father was a good man, and you can tell he's like. Fighting this memory, he's not even fighting with the main character. He's yeah. just fighting with his own thoughts.
1: Yeah, no, he like he is just so consumed by the void between the lie he wants to tell himself and the reality that he has to live. Uh, uh, just another thing, I really like the building that he works out of. I really like the building they used for it because it's like this, like just very big, wide building, but it's like all balanced on this one tiny point it's it's a very good visual metaphor for just like the weight of everything he has built up that is built on like this very faulty carefully precarious foundation it's good visual storytelling
0: it really is it's, again it's not a complicated story it's just it spent a lot of time working on it and telling it right
1: i do i do love That this is a ghost story that also turns into like a political thriller sort Mm -hmm.
0: of like there's a point in the story where like the ghost is really like my medal i want my baptism whatever medal
1: i didn't know baptism medals were like a thing and i'm feeling really ripped off i got raised catholic for nothing (laughs) i could have had some sweet bling
0: i know you could have but you also could have been buried in a well
1: this is true so i think i think i still came out on top
0: I also love the fact this guy kind of just shows up solving the mystery and he doesn't realize him dealing with the ghost is also affecting this other family where the body is buried.
1: I do think it's very interesting, like, when, like, Russell goes out and he's like, he's, like, going to other people, like, investigating this mystery, he's acting as, like, a spirit of restorative justice. And in that sense, he is also spreading the ghost's influence. He, go- he goes to, like, the family whose house is built over like the well he was buried under. And then the ghost is like able to start manifesting there as well. He goes to Senator Carmichael to confront him. And then the ghost is able to manifest uh, for him as well. Like it starts contained in this one house. And like, just like as the truth inevitably comes out, like the ghost's influence is able to spread.
0: In fact, when he was doing that seance, like that's what really triggered it, even though he didn't talk to her yet. But like, I just like the little girl was having like dreams and nightmares. It kind of made it easier for him to kind of be like, "Hey, can I destroy her
1: bedroom?" Yep, just I, I I need to get at this telltale heart under the floorboards.
0: And she's like, "Oh yeah, okay, let me think on it," which is actually pretty respectable the way. Like, it just seemed like a very
1: adult way
0: to handle a ghost.
1: Yeah, hunting. no, all things considered. That's like pretty reasonable. Yeah, some weird stuff is happening. And like, I'm kind of inclined to believe you about this ghost. But also, I definitely need to think before I let you tear up my 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 child's bedroom.
0: I think that's why I like this movie as a ghost movie better than other movies is it feels like adults having a conversation. It doesn't feel like people making bad decisions and just being like, oh, this happened because this person's an idiot. It feels very smart.
1: R- Russell, like, doesn't want to go to the cops because he doesn't have evidence. And like when he does have evidence, he's there's no way I can prove this connection. Like, they're not going to believe me. It's smart of him not to trust the cops.
0: I also like the fact he's not trying to solve a murder to put anyone. The murderer is dead. It's yes, an old thing. He's just trying to find the answer. He's more like digging to dig rather because he just wants to know. He has to know.
1: It's not about like justice. It's just about like getting the truth to come to light. And it's interesting because, like, by the end of the movie, like, does that even happen? The senator's dead, but the story died with him. Like, none of the people who did this will, like, face any consequences for what happened.
0: Mm -hmm. I feel like that's also, like, the note the movie ends on. It's not a happy note. It's just the ghost is still angry and unsatisfied.
1: Yeah. The ending is, like, easily the best set piece of the movie to me.
0: I love that it starts with... Claire. Claire, thank you. She, like, kind of comes when he's not there. She's, like, coming in, like, girl, I need you to tell you this gossip, and then she hears noises. Yes. I just love the fact she wanders deep into the house and then is chased by this old wheelchair.
1: I love... I love just this wheelchair just going full tilt, like down the stairs of this mansion, like after this, like there's like a one shot where they just have the camera mounted on it and it's just like (laughs) rushing after It looks like something out of the Evil Dead. It's fantastic.
0: The the poster of this movie is this chair. Like,
1: Like it is in so many ways the symbol of this child.
0: The house just like no longer cares about the main
1: character. The, like the ghost, like it reaches out to him because like it feels like a psychic connection between like his loss and what happened to the child. As like the more Russell investigates, the more he hits like dead ends because like, you know, like a rich and powerful person wants to keep what happened like under wraps. Like it just gets more mad at him that like he can't solve it.
0: And it's also like this thing where... What is the ghost even expecting? And it doesn't really matter because it's just an angry child.
1: Like, the ghost is just angry because it wants its medal back, essentially. And the medal is, like, representative of the wealth and power that, like, it could have had, like... And the life that was stolen from him. This child wouldn't necessarily have grown up to be, like, a senator if he had lived, but, like, it was, like, he was denied, like, the ability to, like the Senator Carmichael who lives like starts out with so much more to build upon. And like this child was denied that.
0: So the child burns everything down.
1: Yep. I love just the whole the fire just slowly traveling down like the banister. Like it's just such a good shot.
0: The moment I saw that chandelier, I was waiting for that to come down.
1: It has big Phantom of the Opera energy.
0: It's beautiful looking though. It's a gorgeous chandelier. I,
1: I just love all the shots. and just like it's just this hanging sword of Damocles as, like, he's just, like, injured on the floor trying to get away from it.
0: Can we also just talk about how many (laughs) fucking stairs are in this goddamn house?
1: I was going to make a joke about this not being a wheelchair-accessible home, but it really literally isn't.
0: No. Which is why the child was stuck hiding in the attic.
1: Yeah, like, the the child is confined to a wheelchair that is, like, on the four, like, up in the attic behind, like, four flights of stairs. Like, you know, literally can't get out
0: because he's literally being hidden because the father's just so ashamed that he hasn't his only living child is a disabled one what do you think about the fact the senator kind of like shows up there but like kind of like isn't there at the same time like he astral projects into that house
1: yeah no like that's like that's just a really cool weird thing where like the ghost pulls him spiritually into into, like, the room. I really love the shot where it's, like, he is just walking up this, like, burning staircase, and then, like, he just steps through, and he's in the room as it was when the child was murdered.
0: Mm-hmm. We have to watch that death for a third time. No,
1: it like, just having to watch a lot of just a helpless child being drowned in a bathtub.
0: Like it is not I I always forgot remember I never thought this movie was graphic cuz it isn't. But that's just like a weirdly like uncomfortable thing to watch cuz Yeah, you know, it's it's a long cake. It's you see him kicking and moving. It's literally you feel like you're watching a snuff film.
1: An uncomfortable moment that like you don't want to be there for. Like it's not graphic in like the sense that, like, the MPAA would grade on. Like, there's no blood. It's it's an entirely bloodless death, but at the same time, it's just horrific, because, like, he, like, the this kid is just struggling desperately, and the father is so apathetic about what they're doing, like.
0: Mm-hmm. We also just talk about the mutton shop and, the, like, the, the portrait of this father, because we never see him. We do see the one painting of
1: him. Yes, no, he, he ha- like, he has outstanding standing old timey like rail baron business like uh, mutton chops there. Oh, totally. You can tell this man was a bastard.
0: <laughs> we know cuz we watched him murder a child over and over. Yes.
1: Again. Just based off that picture of him, I feel like he wasn't a better person any other moment of his life either.
0: Probably not. No. We kind of that kind of leads us into like the last part of the film. That last a like kind of image of the house. And like again, it feels like it's not a happy ending.
1: It is a very melancholy ending. Like the best you could call it is bittersweet. Mm-hmm. The, go- the ghost has closure. But like at what cost is that closure?
0: And I, I kind of interpret it as the ghost not even having enough closure. Like, yeah, the house is gone. A person knows what happened to him. But he's still dead. And that's kind of what I kind of interpreted by that music box open. Oh,
1: yeah. The, the, the shot of the music box at the end. The, the ghost got what it wanted, arguably, but like it didn't bring it satisfaction.
0: Nope. I, we didn't talk about one of my favorite moments of with the ball. I love the fact that like the ball keeps on flowing down the stairs to the point where the guy thinks it's his daughter's ball and just gets rid of it and then just straight up comes back.
1: No, I, like, he just like, he just froze it off an overpass. And then like, I love just like the incredibly dramatic shot. Like it's just the ball in close up. And he is just across the room staring at it in horror.
0: Especially when like, it's, like, coming down them stairs, like,
1: do-donk, do-donk, yes. It's a very silly image, but at the same time, it, de- like, it works.
0: Because they spent all that work building up to it. It doesn't go like, ooh, spooky things, let's <laughs> throw spooky things at it. They do a lot of really good setup.
1: They do a lot to establish his feelings and, like, his grief over his daughter, so, like, Like, the ball is the visual shorthand for that. So, Mm -hmm. like, it builds up this moment. It does remind me of something that I did want to mention. Like, it's not necessarily a criticism, but it is very funny to me. Yeah. The wife is, like, barely part of this.
0: Oh, she doesn't really exist. She didn't need to die. They just had to do it so it looked like he didn't have a support structure.
1: There's a hypothetical other version of this where, like he and his wife split up over because like they couldn't handle the grief of the death of their child. It's just very funny to like the only moments where like the wife comes up is when it's being mentioned alongside his grief for his daughter. Mm.
0: What do you kind of think the the movie's thoughts on grief were? Because it was a big theme, but it was never really touched directly.
1: It's not something you can ever really move on from like russell moves across the country like try and start his life but these like his grief over like losing his kid over losing his family like it still is tied to him and that's what connects him to this ghost and like the ghost is just completely consumed by it like it is never able to escape from like the anger and the grief over what happened to it and, like, it does ultimately destroy it and the mansion in the end.
0: I kind of, I think Russell kind of got a little closure out of it, though, because yeah, his wife's death and his child's death was something completely out of his control that he had to watch. By him having control of the situation and the information of him being able to try and help this ghost child, it was able to for him to kind of, I feel like he has some control over his life again.
1: It's, like, definitely not something you can ever be rid of, but, like, it's... This does, I think, give him a bit of spiritual closure, essentially. Solving, you know, like ghost mysteries with a cool old historical society lady, lady, that's basically the same as therapy.
0: Yeah, I mean, they go horseback riding together. Horse therapy is a thing.
1: (laughs) Except that made him sad because he remembered how much his daughter loved horses. (laughs)
0: That's true. I do like the fact the movie did show him crying because I was like worried that this man was bottling shit up.
1: It's good. Like, you know, just a genuine moment of grief. And also it does tie into, like I said, there's a whole water motif in this movie. Obviously, like there's tears, and then there's the water the child was murdered in. When they're at like the house the well was over, it's like next to a lake, and like you constantly hear like the water lapping in and out and boats on the harbor.
0: Even when he's horseback riding, it's across from a, a water source.
1: Yes. Another little detail I liked is Senator Carmichael always has model boats in his office <laughs> even though he has tried to like move past this and, like and like push it down and suppress it like he is still vis- like he is still tied to this motif and like to visit this, this thing that happened in this house
0: the ghost does actually murder somebody
1: uh, I mean it was a cop but
0: and one that was in the, sen- the pocket of a senator
1: and it was played by Baltar from Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm
0: <laughs> <laughs> but not modern Baltar, like ancient
1: yes, Baltar. Yes, no, the original Count Baltar.
0: <laughs> uh, I think you actually get around to watching that camp, like, well of campness.
1: I remember hating the shit out of it the, like, the first time I watched it, but I think I might be able to enjoy how dumb and campy it is on rewatch.
0: Yeah, I, I need camp shows. I'm slowly going through a bunch right now.
1: yeah. I understand completely.
0: I went th- I can't watch Buffy anymore right now. It's that thing where it's just... I've seen it too many times where I need to take a break, and now I'm watching Xena, Warrior Princess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Xena is fantastic. I don't care.
0: Oh, it's a fantastic. I love it. Where's the Samarami? I miss the Samarami.
1: No, like, ev- everyone is, like... Everyone has just been, like, talking about, like, the Spider-Man movies he did, again, like, just comparing the, the new ones and just... How much more life and energy just is in any given shot of those movies?
0: They're goofy, but like, oh my God, I need a break from the monotony that is fucking Marvel right now. No, like... Shang-Chi, you're fine, but everybody else, stop.
1: Yes. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Shang-Chi, you can go. Everybody else, I want to see you after class.
0: Mm. Oh my God, I'm so glad we're getting Tony Long in a movie. I I love... I loved my like I took a Hong Kong cinema course in college and I just yeah. fell in love with like a lot of that style of movies.
1: Uh, no, same. I was in that same course with you.
0: I know. I, I, <laughs> I forgot that for a second. We took that yes. class together.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you studied the Blade. I also studied the Blade. We were in <laughs> class together.
0: Uh, we watched John Woo movies. It was wonderful. Mm,
1: no, it was great.
0: Give me that one Kar Wai. God yeah. what were your kind of final thoughts on everything
1: i I definitely like really enjoyed this film. It's very atmospheric. I like it takes some turns. I wasn't expecting very good, very moody old time horror.
0: did you find it scary like Nev Campbell? I
1: don't know if I would call this scary I like didn't
0: either I just kind of found it sad, but in a way that was like, kind of like
1: cathartic a lot of the moments that are supposed to be scary are just kind of camp to me like the wheelchair chasing her down the stairs (laughs) there are definitely moments of uncomfortable horror like when like his family dies or like when the kid is drowned
0: Do you feel like it's kind of something that it's hard to watch an older film and get the same sorry my dog's barking
1: Your dogs are barking.
0: He's a barking. He's a barking at me.
1: Do you think it's...
0: Oh, do you think it's something to do with the time of it? Like kind of older movies? I don't think The Exorcist is a good thing because you have to be kind of Christian for that to kind of hit you. Yeah. But is that that kind of thing with that sensibility where it was probably scarier in that time period than it is now to us with modern sensibilities
1: yeah no I, I definitely think if you were watching this in 1980s you would have fucking shit yourself like <laughs> it, it's just horror has just naturally like escalated oh I like, like how gothic it was It's very gothic. Uh, like again it's like even if the scares don't necessarily work for me it, it is able to get by so much on atmosphere.
0: What would you kind of rate the film?
1: Um, I think I would definitely give it like a solid eight out of 10.
0: Yeah, uh, I think I'm giving it a seven and a half. I really liked it. Was this your first time watching it?
1: Uh, Yes, it was.
0: This was, I think, my second. And I think it... At least for me, it holds up.
1: Oh, I, no, absolutely. Like, I definitely had a good time with this film.
0: I think that's kind of like a good, nice closing thought. So you really kind of summed everything up.
1: <laughs> I know, absolutely.
0: You know what the time it is, is then? It's <laughs> time for me to figure out where I left my dice. Woo! Come on, you got to roll to the chance. It's time yep. for us to pick the next. Either week or two weeks, depending when this will air episode.
1: Yeah. Hang on. I will genuinely just be a second. I'm sorry.
0: How dare
1: you? I like All this. right. Here we go. Time to roll the bones. Roll them. Roll them. Roll them. Got a 17. 17? I was really
0: hoping this wouldn't show up to time, but we are sticking with the uh, spooky we kind of domicile space with... Uh, Stanley Kubrick's *The Shining*.
1: <laughs> oh, that's gonna be a fun one. It's been a very snowed-in sort of like series of movies.
0: I know. I'm not like these were different categories. I think yeah. it's just funny what's happening.
1: It's it's funny when I watched when I saw the first shot of it. The first thing I thought I was like, "Wow, this really reminds me of the opening to *The Shining*."
0: Well. I feel like the movies, like, going by chance, really are leaning into one another. Like they really kind of flow.
1: It's like poetry—one each line rhymes with the next.
0: <laughs> but the line beforehand, you would never know. Exactly. We would never know from going for Midsummer. we'd end up with The Shining two, two episodes later.
1: Yeah, that's going to be fun. I'm definitely going to have a lot to say about The Shining.
0: I need to figure out if this is still my favorite film or not, so I'm also going to have to have some fun watching this, too.
1: Oh, yeah, no, this is, this is going to be a fun reassessment for you.
0: I know. I have a feeling it's not going to be, but it's usually my safe answer I give people when they ask me.
1: I, I think no one's going to argue with you on that.
0: It's a good movie. Sorry, it is Stephen King. I like the book too, but I also like the movie. And uh, I
1: love you, Stephen King, but I also will bully you and put you in a locker. <laughs> it's, it's out of love.
0: He's the patriot saint of Maine. Let him be.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: His dog looks exactly like my dog, and I will love that to the end of time. Aww. I feel like one of these days I'm just gonna have to put like a big picture of my dog sticks like on the internet so all of Twitter can see. And, uh, yeah, oh, I should probably, like, go over what our social medias are. If you want to follow us on Twitter, um, our handle is The Critiquing.
1: It's Critiquing uh, The.
0: Oh, Critiquing The. Yes, thank you. Yes. And Instagram is just straight up critiquing the creeps. You can find us pretty easily on Instagram. Uh, we uh, were critiquing sad little boy ghosts. Yes. And uh, bye, everybody.
1: Bye-bye.